Hi, everybody. Welcome to another podcast on Trek No Babble. This is Matthew. And this is Kevin. And we're going to do Discovery Episode 11, The Wolf Inside. Uh, another installment in the Mirror Universe storyline. Um, I mean, I guess this is like the second full episode, really. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because they only just teased it very briefly two episodes ago. Um, you know, and a lot of stuff happened. <laughs> uh, overall, I, I generally liked it. Um, I was not angry at any point during the episode like I was last week. Yeah, well, that's certainly a step up. I I agree. I was not angry. There were things that I liked. I've got a lot of notes. Uh, you know, maybe we'll come to this at the end of our discussion, but this episode, I think, kind of marks a turning point for me in terms of the way I think about this thing, Discovery. Uh, so I guess we should just... Uh, you know, talk about it, right? So one thing I liked, I liked Burnham's uh, sort of voiceover, which I guess was a conversation with Tyler uh, at the beginning of the episode. You know, it was it was a long sort of montage of various scenes and, you know, her sort of reacting to things as a character. And I thought it was really effective. I liked it. And it, it hit on the theme that you liked in the last episode about, you know, what effect this place has on the, the sort of the characters of the people who are experiencing it and who aren't from this world. But that was cool. I liked that. Yeah, I thought that was good. I, I kind of like it felt like a captain's log, like an old school captain's log, which I don't think they've really done uh, a lot this uh, this series. Um I liked the well, bunch. And you know what? Captain's logs are a good idea because, you know, especially the personal logs because they, they sort of give you a shortcut into the character's uh, inner workings. Uh, you can lean on it too heavily, but, you know, I think this one was very nice. Um, but yeah, I, I liked it. Uh, I liked that they maintained the theme consistently and explored it. There, there were a couple of points that between the writing and the acting, I think they did a really good job of portraying like you could tell Burnham's first instinct was to try to find a way not to engage the universe as her alter ego, but she resisted. Like, like it would be easy enough for Burnham to dismiss uh, Mir Saru, you know, like just be like, "I'll do it myself today." Because she doesn't want to deal with, doesn't want to do that. But she, it, it just, it, it read a few times just perfectly, like this, like, just this hitch of having to actively choose to commit to the, to the uh, deception. And uh, I, I liked the way they did that. That all played very well. Um, e uh, even crew dynamics, I think, uh, shook out pretty well this time. I liked the reciprocity of both Burnham and Saru withholding information from the other for their benefit. Um, I thought that was a a nice touch because they both had valid reasons for thinking now is not the time for this conversation. Uh, and I, I, I like that. <laughs> yeah. You, well, in the moment, I, I was verging on becoming upset. <laughs> you know, I was like, come on, seriously, you're not going to mention the murder that just happened on your, you know, and I, I was bracing for them not to offer any reason for it. Because that's been, of course, the modus operandi for so many seemingly stupid decisions uh, that this crew makes. Uh, but to this episode's credit, 
you know, in the very next, you know, camera cut, they explained it, you know, now I, you know, I thought that the, the way that the discovery crew leapt to the conclusion that Stamets did it was a little quick. Uh, do they not have forensics in the future? You know, could, uh, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, had they, like, yeah, if if Culber left his laptop open, his last thing would have been, oh, scanning Tyler for some reason. Like, I, I get it. It they explained it in a way that kept dramatic tension. I I was fine. I'm glad they explained it. Um, they explained the one thing. They didn't explain the other thing, which is how they had absolutely no indication that someone else did it. <laughs> you know, uh, so it. You know, they they gave they take away. I guess uh, it, they explain the important bit, I suppose. Um, so, Kevin, can, let's try to break it down to the different uh, plots. Right? There's the <sighs> Burnham on Mir Shenzhou plot. Right? There's the Tyler Voke plot which intersects with the, the mirror Burnham or the, the mirror Shenzhou plot. And then there's the stuff that happens on the discovery. Right. Yeah. Um, so as, as far as the, um, Burnham on the Shenzhou. Yeah. That, right. That worked great. Um, like, yeah. Like I think it all had nice momentum. Yeah, there she, were a lot of sort of clever bits, I suppose. Yeah. She's at sea and knows it. And, uh, it, all read well and uh um well i mean like the driver is that she has to get the information about the defiant and she's having problems doing that because there's no way to offload so much information without everybody discovering it and i you know i guess i could i could deal with that like aunt saru said some stuff about how totalitarian regimes you know uh, are fearful and you know it, it so it made sense that they would have this level of control over the transmission of information i guess um and so it led into sort of a clever i'm going to use that word several times uh sort of a clever evolution of the of that plot of the the burnham plot uh you know she like has to get off the ship oh uh, well <laughs> Okay, now that I come to think of it, I just watched it. So that plot wasn't that clever. It was clever how she smuggled it onto Tyler's body as she was beam, beaming him into space, right? Yeah. And and apparently off camera for for twist effect, um, you know, she had discussed it with Saru. Yeah, and, know, and they had us. I I didn't. I did like shake that plot a little to see what what might have cracked and they did establish she could communicate with them uh somehow the on some bandwidth yeah. that isn't used or something holograms are apparently low data stream now yeah. um and uh i think she changed clothes i think i caught that like the uniform she was wearing when when tyler attacked her and the uniform she wore to his execution were different so that seems to indicate i didn't see her planted on it though well, she punched him in the I gut, would have liked to... which is what I assume yeah. when yeah when I assume she did it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that worked fine, and I I like um, 
I actually liked Lorca's counter. They have to stay on the ship in case it doesn't work and they need another way back. Um, Cause that felt like an organic way also, to keep you questioning what's Lorca's end game because he is technically correct, but it also feels like, wouldn't you all be better off in your magic transporty spaceship without having to maintain a psychologically scarring deception? Like, it just seems like, eh, yeah, uh, but it, it's like Lorca's explanation is credible enough that if they are building toward the reveal that Lorca is in, uh, is mere Lorca or something, or intended to bring them to the mere universe for some other reason, yeah. they've left... It wasn't stupid that she stayed out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like they've managed to keep that door open without making me enraged that the door exists so well done so i I really liked the debate they had okay that that burnham and Lorca had and the the basic gist of the debate was that Lorca was saying you know what you just have to fry these rebels to keep the deception going because you know it it's for the greater good of our universe yeah okay you know our universe needs us back so that we can help the Federation. I mean, it's getting to be a really polluted plot at this point, but it's like the reason they need to get back is so they can go give the information they gleaned in their 133 jumps, you know, because otherwise they're all going to die immediately or something, which I, I don't get it because they seem to be doing okay, uh, but whatever. Um, and I really liked that her counter was essentially, well, the greater, greater good is two universes, you know, two universes is more important than one. Uh, you know, we have to do something for these people too, because they are, you know, sentient beings, you know, who deserve a chance to, you know, make themselves a better world or whatever. Right. And so I really liked that. I liked that they, they, they mentioned that. Now I will say that they have a disturbing tendency to sort of raise these questions and then completely blow past them at warp 10, you know, and never raise them again. Right. So the dialogue itself is interesting, but then on some level it seems like, and now the writers are done with that idea and we are not going to come to it again. Uh, and maybe you could argue they came to it again with uh, the discovery crew, rescuing tyler because i guess there's no death penalty in the future um well, only for going to talos four <laughs> well yeah I, I wrote that in my notes which would have uh, yeah <laughs> apparently happened right around this time so who uh no i i will uh, i like that scene at the end because we have criticized discovery for uh, talking rather than doing Federation ideals and the two characters in command positions in the two separate groups of people both went out, did the thing we want Federation officers to do. A fed Picard would never just destroy the rebels no matter what the stakes were. Like, he would never accept that kind of moral equivalent, uh, uh, vacillating. Um, so I liked watching Burnham try to square the circle, even though it ended up not working. Um, so Burnham, Burnham is basically a Kantian moralist, yeah. you know, like, like she has a duty to all rational beings and she will not, you know, violate that duty. Now, apparently she was willing to kill the Klingons in order to save the humans, but okay, well, whatever. Um, and, and, um, and I liked, you know, uh, I, and I liked, uh, so like, 
in a way, it would probably have been, like, I'm sure Tyler's going to do something else harmful or stupid to the ship or the show uh, by the time we're done. So in a, in yeah, like they a, kept him alive for something. Right. So not, in a literal, like, a like in any type of, even in like a straight up, you know, wartime sense, you know, you could probably fudge what the rules on prisoners of war here are. Um, so we'll just be like, oh, we were too far away to beam him aboard. Like, I... I'm not mad at that plot because both of the characters in positions to do so rather than just talking here, let's, let's give credit where it's due. We had a Star Trek character talk about Starfleet ideals and then apply them as the dramatic arc of the episode. And the button was the same thing that we will continue to behave this way, even when it is inconvenient. Um, Okay. Now let me just say getting down to the planet and, you know, revealing all the mirror versions of all the characters we've got, Mir Sarek and Mir Vok and you know like that was all clever and the scenes were all interesting and stuff but the way they got there was yet another application of you know like let's let's formulate the dumbest possible plan that in no regular universe would ever succeed you know so that we can get to that interesting scene Do, are, are, you, are you smelling what I'm stepping in here it's like they beam down to the mortal enemy of the Terran Empire, dressed as Terrans with weapons, standing up straight yeah, in the t- middle of triangulated fire. <laughs> they're they terrible be, shots, yeah. <laughs> they should be a cloud. They should be vapor. They should have died immediately upon infiltrating the secret base of the mortal enemy of the Terran Empire. I mean, give me a fucking break. That. Uh, uh, like the stupid was so strong it's like my brain almost shut down i acknowledge that the scene that it got them to was interesting enough you know and and i I thought the way that like you know seeing valk triggered you know all this stuff like that that was cool too like so great that's great but did you have to be so stupid to get us there all they had to do is sneak the fuck in you know they could have filmed that scene yeah, I'll give right? you that. It, it, it was, there, there was like, if nothing else, I mean, the, the, this might be why the rebellion is losing. They they have the aim of stormtroopers. Um, what well, nagged me most about that scene yeah. was actually the production note. That entire scene was either blue or orange. Like the atmosphere and the color of the light was blue. Like it's a very modern actiony thing that you you paint your movie shades of blue or orange because it just responds well on screen it's kind of just i i'm over it as a device um i i, I get that um i i and i i found well but let me also yeah, go ahead i have another criticism and this is a more, more substantive uh criticism and that is that what burnham wanted from the encounter was apparently wisdom Okay, and the wisdom she sought was how can we possibly in our universe make Klingons and others uh, get along? Okay, because that will some valuable to her. And I, I feel like anybody with half a brain could tell you the answer, which is the answer they gave on screen. And that is, well. They're going to die if they don't team up with some other races here. And so having a common enemy was enough to 
to overcome sort of Klingon xenophobia or whatever the fuck, right? How is that a useful piece of information for Burnham going forward? What the fuck is she going to do? Go back to the prime universe and like find the Borg or something so that they can unite humans and Klingons against a common enemy. Like it, it's it's like the lamest piece of bromide information that could never possibly be applied in any reasonable way in the world that she wants to well, return to. I think to. the episode acknowledges that. I don't think Burnham walked away feeling like she got some deeper insight. I think she's still... But did she think she was going to? Like, this plan that involved, like, standing upright and not dying for some reason, you know, it's like this stupid plan to just walk to the base. That's That was her end game. That was her goal. Well, no, her, to, her to end find game... Her her end game was to save the rebel base. Uh, I think she just thought if she could gar garner some insight into the Klingons, that would help. It was worth it to try. Mm. Like, yeah, I, I I don't see that as her primary goal. I see that as like while I'm here, you know, because I'm never going to be here again. Um, it was worth the ask. But they spent so much screen time on it, you know. It ah uh, yeah, okay. So it felt like there was a lot of dumb dumb. To get them, uh, I think there the, was an average amount of dum dum. Uh, average for this show. Uh, average for the franchise. Like they, mm -hmm. there, I we we can go back through our reviews for even next gen and find about a billion inexplicable security protocol procedures that allowed the plot to go forward. Uh, Feder, uh, everyone. It's every episode here, and well, that's because it's part, an action part, show, and if, well, that's the thing. If everyone, the, if everyone did what was rational, most action shows would shut down pretty quickly. Um, this series, this series is all plot do you know what i mean by that it's like the story is all plot advancement no reflection no slowing down to you know like absorb anything few if any big ideas and when the big ideas are introduced they're then abandoned because the plot has to continue you know is the plot interesting yeah i'll, I'll grant you that it's like it's clever right here's a clever thing Here's a clever connection. Here's a clever advancement of the plot. But do I care? Eh. It, it's, it's more like I'm watching to see what the writers do next instead of watching to see what the characters do next. I, I think you know? this episode gave an, like, the, the, the teaser, or like the first, I mean, the teaser was like 10 minutes and it was all those things it was burnham reflecting on the impact on her character and relationship and it got a little weighed down both because we you knew this was the episode where something more was going to happen with the vox story like yeah the soft spot for me of this episode is the vox reveal largely uh, only because i think the writers severely underestimated the modern internet's ability to suss out um their storyline like uh dan Harmon had a great i think i've mentioned this before but he says like it's impossible to fool an audience because within 10 minutes of any of your information going out a thousand monkeys on a thousand typewriters are all working away at the theory and by brute force guessing one of them will figure it out and retroactively look like a genius uh so they they really should not have thought that particularly with the paper thin faint of um casting a fake actor or naming a fake actor as the guy who played Vok. Like, honestly, you change the man's, like, height and face and apparent species. If you had just cast Vok as a different, similar-looking man, I don't think that would have destroyed your reveal. 
Like no one would have gone, yeah. well, they look nothing alike. <laughs> like no, no one could have told, like it could have been me under the Vok makeup the whole time and no one would have known. It's my best kept secret. Like it's just, they, they invested so much in artfully setting up this reveal without realizing that the very act of creation of the reveal would reveal the reveal to the nitpicky bitches who watch this show. So it was just like, um, the reveal was not as shocking in story as they clearly thought it would be for the audience. I will say, I think Burnham, the Burnham's reaction was pretty good. Um, uh, like they, they layered it well when she realized that he remembered something she never told anyone about. So he had to have been there. All well done. I do think I am largely back to where we started and will reserve final judgment for later episodes, but it does feel like this is the physical being of Vok who was surgically altered to pass for human and fake human personality and memories were implanted in some way. So that means the Tyler personality is wholly fiction rather than a interfered with modified traumatized real person. And that's mm. going to annoy me if that's where it stays. Like if, See, they, I, if, if it's they... so confusing that I think either interpretation is tenable based on what's on screen it's like they keep doing this like quick cut flash you know like flashbacky thing right they they keep showing them cutting into a yeah i got the impression that somehow the two bodies have been merged yeah i could buy that because they they do keep showing them cutting into a human which you if you had altered him to human you think you'd be not doing that but I'll I'll hold off like 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 yeah my only real problem with this whole plot is that it's going to tell me it was pointless to care about a character who no longer exists. Yeah. That, well, that is my concern. It wouldn't shock me if that was the case. Um but, but uh, I'm getting I'm getting the feeling that parts of Tyler are still meaningfully physically uh part of this being and that the parts that are Vok are dominant at this point. Uh yeah, who the hell knows? Um, go ahead. Uh, I was just, yeah, say? I'm. Yeah, other than I mean, that was the part. Like, uh, oh, and I'll tell you this: I thought the Klingon sounded terrible because of the teeth. It just sounds terrible. Like, oh well, I mean, it it was a blessing to have, you know, Vox speaking English, Mirror Vox that is speaking English. It was like, oh wow. This is what we could have watched for the first six episodes of the show, you know, like accented English. Man, that would have been more enjoyable. Um, so at least there's that. Oh, no, but Tyler speaking Klingon like, oof. Yeah, I just like, nope, it still sounds painfully slow. <laughs> yeah, very mush mouthy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I agree. I wasn't into it. And was anybody in the universe shocked that Captain Giorgio, her mirror Giorgio is the Empress? Not at all. I mean, the <laughs> only thing I like about that was we dispensed with it right away. Like we, they, they, they loaded the gun last episode and they fired it in this one. Um, yeah. my, one of my biggest problems with serialization is the needless extension of reveals to create fake drama. So, uh, I will say, I think it was, it was, it was the IO9 or the AV Club's review that said that would have been a more effective story later in the series. Cause then it could like rip well, open yeah. an old wound and be a bit more, oh my God, she's back rather than, well, we know she's coming back. Um, that, but that could be the... said for the mirror universe generally. Like they're doing surprisingly well with it, 
but I do think it still was too early to start giving us inverted versions of these characters, particularly when the show has gone out of its way to try to paint them as less wholesome than their uh, other franchise counterparts. Yeah. So it's like, it's just less interesting or less, it's less shocking to see an inversion of a character I don't know that well. Uh, but I'm, I'm largely excited. It's one of those largely on the strength of the actresses who had great chemistry in the, in the premiere. Oh, um, and I thought the preview for next episode looked really interesting. And it, like, I'm happy that they're going to like show us the empire, you know, yeah. like they, I guess they got the money. They can build new sets. They can show us stuff that they've never shown us before. You know, it, you know, you, you mentioned not dragging things out. And I agree with that, but I kind of feel like they've swung the pendulum a little too far in the other direction. I feel like they're trying to do in 15 episodes what should probably be done in 40 for the sake of like dramatic coherence, character development. You know, it's just like everything's so freaking fast in this show. We're in the 11th episode and it's it just like it's it's kind of tiring, you know. I, I wish they would slow down and have standalone stories that have a beginning, middle, and end in and of themselves. You know, it's like the show is all plot, you know? Uh, I don't re- I don't need and, them to abandon... And the plot is... Yeah, I, I don't need to, them to abandon serialization to do a slow episode. Other series, uh, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer sl- springs to mind do you know long-term storytelling but can still pause even inside the story to do some you know quiet reflective episode so uh, i just want them to do a quiet episode like i want them to do one that is just slower paced and calmer if only to demonstrate they can and i trust the actors to pull it off i think like if you put burnham alone in a shuttle for 43 minutes to talk about her feelings you would rest an interesting story like, I, I think you could do that. So I would just like to know that they know how um, would be my my concern. Um, so, yeah, overall, they they continue to hammer on the themes that I like about the Mirror Universe. And they're using it to tell something about the Prime Universe that I wish they had been telling sooner. Um, so that's good. Uh, the Vox stuff suffered largely because the reveal was not really as shocking as the writers thought it would be. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like watching it, you're just kind of like, oh, okay, when are they going to get to it? It's like, we know it's going to happen. Just get to it. And so on some level, the quickness is good for the Vox story. Yeah. But I, as, as, I feel like it, it does a disservice to some of the other stories. Uh, as far as the Stamets story, that felt pretty much like a paint-by-numbers Trek-no-babble solution. Like, there... As oh, the, let's at, let's not give it the credit of calling it Treknobabble, Kevin. Uh, as as uh, the uh, the uh, I I didn't re- remember this because I I just didn't. But apparently there is precedent in the series for using the spores to help the spore traveling tardigrade before. So she's not completely off the wall. Uh, but <laughs> I, this was inside the law. Like like I am just less structurally annoyed. It's all made up. Like I, I like no, as long Kevin, as it, Kevin as long as it let follows, me let me give you a quote here. Fungi, Kevin are the only organisms with the natural aptitude to link death with life. What in the fuck does that mean? 
That doesn't mean anything. That's not Trechnobabble where you're trying to like link up a story to existing science. That's just fucking gibberish. It's gibberish. And it's gibberish that they're probably going to try to use to justify, you know, some form of resurrection of Culber. Oh, no, because fungus can link death with I'm not saying that won't feel like the triple blood from uh, Into Darkness. I'm not saying like, yeah, my problems with Culber's death are longstanding, but um, or at least not not longstanding. They're a week old, but they are well, well documented. Um, But yeah, it was it was a fairly straightforward use of the technology they have established to do the obvious thing they needed to do to progress the story. So it didn't bother me. It just, it was there. It it, it, it didn't excite me. To do the tech. But um, it just didn't, it didn't bother me. I did question, like, did they really just leave him in the cube after they thought he was dead? Like, I did think, like, how how long are they going to leave him there? (laughs) Well, what I thought to myself was, it's like, Saru and Tilly have this sort of, like, disagreement and saru you know exerts his prerogative of command to override tilly in her you know choice of treatment for stamets and so then they try it and it like doesn't work or something and then everybody just leaves yeah that was that was a little weird tilly and stamets there it's like what it is no one monitoring him like she's just alone with his body like what so you know like basically it was just a bunch of shit that happened to get us to mirror stamets and prime stamets you know like cavorting in the mycelial network pink zone you know and like setting up the next episode right and it's like it was just nonsense it was just nonsense gibberish and i didn't care about anything in the Stamets storyline because it was such nonsense, right? Kevin, you might try to argue that they've somehow created rules for the mycelial network and are following the rules for the mycelial network, but the the dialogue is just gibberish. Like, if you can discern what the rules are from it, you know, congratulations, because I can't, you know, I can't. It's just a bunch of shit that happens. Okay. That that that's my take on it. So I felt that this aspect of the episode was unsuccessful. Um, I just it, it was just there for me. Like I knew where they were going. Like like they it, it, the, my, yeah. My only real complaint is that it was kind of obvious he was going to almost but not really die and then progress <laughs> to the next part of the story. Like and, and that's, that's not exciting because you know it's going to happen. It's, right. It, it, it's yeah it's 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 pretty paint by numbers it's it's not it's yeah i mean but like i said it did, it didn't outrage me um i was i was kind of excited at the juncture where you were wondering whether burnham was going to execute tyler vock right like i i i won't I, w- I won't say i was on like the the edge of my seat but like my eyes were glued to the screen and i was legitimately interested because i didn't know where they were going to go with it okay so like i'll give them that that it it was like clever enough and unexpected enough to hold my interest okay but the stamets stuff no not at all not in the slightest was i engaged by the stamets storyline 
And that's a problem because that's like a third of the episode, you know? So, yeah. So, you know, we can stipulate to the effects being fabulous. Uh, yeah, the, the transporter effects were pretty know, good. Like every, every, uh, though on one science fiction note, apparently you wouldn't actually freeze to death instantaneously if you were beamed into space, uh, largely because because you're in a vacuum. Uh, there's nowhere for there's no method by which the heat would leave your body right yeah. away. Um, there's no air to yeah. conduct it, and you don't give off enough infrared heat. Like you would suffocate, but you would not freeze. Ironically, despite being in like you know negative four hundred degrees. Um, so there you go. Uh, you would uh, suffer, uh, you know, uh, compression, uh, decompression injuries and suffocate, uh, but your eyes would not explode and you would not freeze to death. So a uh, little little something for the uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson crowd. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, all the effects were cool, right? And the, the location... I agree with the color scheme. It was kind of meh. Uh, um, the orbital stuff was good. Um, I thought they did a really good yeah. job with the uh, orbital bombardment. Yeah, definitely. Um, so as far as acting goes, uh, I guess I was a little less enthused by Shazad Latif in this episode. Uh, not through no fault of his, I think. But, you know, just like you said, you know, the Klingon stuff was just meh. Actors intoning that mushmouth Klingon stuff doesn't move me. Yeah, and I kind of wish they. And again, it's more writing <laughs> than it. acting. Like the end scene after he tries to kill her, he doesn't show remorse, and I think it would just be more dramatically interesting if and and would enhance the question of who he really is. Um, that like there is some shade to it, yeah. right? Like even rather than have uh, Saru um, pull him off, like he stops himself. Like I think that would be way more interesting which uh, they did with laurel yeah right yeah he was really conflicted with laurel and he's like completely unconflicted now he's like all vac so yeah i agree with that um uh, but, but I, the, I think yeah he did like and in the in the top part uh uh i think they did a good job um got we got i noticed we got like a little bit of a like side hip action when he was uh Getting into his uh, Starfleet uh, unitard, I guess uh, I would call it. Um, so, hey, I, I like I like equality. Um, Speaking of which, we had another. Uh, oh my God! Never. Usage of the... Yeah, never show me <laughs> Laurel having sex again, like ever, ever, ever. That is that is just an instruction. Like, and that that was really cool. Let's work that into this episode too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ugh, men are the worst. Um, no, yeah. Um, um, Doug Jones was good as oh, yeah, he Mirror was, Saru. Yeah, yeah. He definitely had that sort of servile thing, but you could you could feel uh, anguish and tension in him playing the role. Um, so that was good. Uh, you know, how, how was Till... Uh, they changed her wig. Meh. They let her go back to like a strawberry blonde instead of that like platinum blonde she was wearing, and that was a smart choice. Um, so good it on that. It still looks bizarre. The shape is just bizarre. It's not flattering. Uh, not, 
to to the yeah. actress. Like I'd like to think Captain Killy would rock a more uh, would just have a better sense of you know what flatters her her features. But um, I they've done a much better job giving Tilly like quirky, competent. Her ambitions are warranted. Uh, she's just not experienced enough. Like that's all classic Star Trek. Like, like it doesn't matter how naturally gifted you are. There is a path you must walk that you cannot skip on the way to becoming a good leader. And I like that they have her at, at, at like a precociously early part of it. But like the way they were trying to pitch it, like the first time she said she wanted to be a captain, I was like, uh, okay, okay, sure, I guess, why not? Do what you want. Um, now it feels a little more credible like the the actress and the writers have settled into a groove for this character that is neither annoying or unrealistic so i was i was fine with her like it wasn't you know didn't make me cry but it was good it was it was she did what was asked of her and what was asked of her was not bad so i was fine Um, i gotta think anthony rapp is getting annoyed at playing coma patient for so many episodes in a row because I'm getting annoyed by it. It's like, dude, let the guy talk. Let him act, you know? It's like, do I have to look at the stupid white eyes for another whole episode and, like, watch him writhe around and not be interesting? Because that's what he's doing for me. He's just writhing around not being interesting. And I know that he can do more than that. So that's frustrating. Uh, Jason Isaacs, a, how are a, you feeling? A pretty nuanced performance. Like, he... Uh, this is like hints of what we got in the like pilot pilot um, that I that we really liked. He he he's not like there were no notes of like secretly crazy. There was just a kind of grim pragmatism about him, and that's kind of how he pitched himself to Burnham in that opening scene. So I liked that Lorca because that was the most interesting version of Lorca, not the like you know choke out his girlfriend Lorca. So, you know, um, so I was fine with that. He, he did a great job. Um, so personally, uh, having considered all of the evidence, uh, I'm kind of at a three on this. Yeah, I, I, I agree like, with the three and that's not because I dislike it. Like this is fu- like, I'll say if this were every episode of discovery, I would enjoy watching the show. It would never be my personal favorite. I would get the people who like it, why they like it. Um, unlike the, there are people who defend the Abrams movies to me, even as popcorn fare, and I don't think they even meet that threshold. Um, so like when someone says they like the Abrams movies, I go, uh, I make like the Tina Belcher sound. Um, someone could, if this were, if the last three weeks of Discovery were the sweet spot of what Discovery produces from here on out, I could, I would keep watching it. And I would understand the people who liked it a lot for the things that it does do well. Um, so that's fine. Like that's, that's, uh, that sounds like faint praise, but I think that's a solid thing they've accomplished that I was not certain they would be able to accomplish, uh, in the first half of the season. And I'm going to say this again, the show has gotten better since the mid season break, save for one truly inexplicable decision that even if they solve it, I will probably still be mad that they even put themselves in a position to solve it. The show has otherwise done pretty well. It has told a character focused interesting dramatic story that at least even if it does not dwell um as much as its predecessors on certain ideas it certainly is aware of them it is uh there is a gravitational 
center around them in the storytelling. So I'm, uh, if nothing else, like I'm really, ch- I, I'm trying not to be unfair to a show in its first season because I, I do think we look back with rose colored glasses on a, on like TNG's first, like we knew DS9's first season was, was, was uneven. I think we tend, like looking back, I'm trying to remember, I'm trying to imagine what it would have been like to watch TNG straight through from the beginning without the foreknowledge of seasons three, four, and five. And I think I might be really concerned about how the show that refuses to depict interpersonal conflict was going to mine character drama going forward. Um, Well, see, you know, I did watch it first run. You know, I didn't know that seasons three, four, and five were going to happen. Now, granted, I was 10, (laughs) you know, but I think I was a pretty sophisticated 10, 11, 12-year-old. So it... TNG did something that this show is not doing. It felt like a show about something, about a world with science-ish things that changed the lives of the characters in meaningful ways. And it felt like a place that I wanted to, to live in. You know, So I will say, the mirror stuff is much more enjoyable to me than the Klingon shit, you know, mainly because it, it's it's clever, you know, and alternate universe fiction is fun, right? And so in a way, the mirror stuff is trading on both my appreciation for, for other Star Trek, but also, uh, you know, what little they've established, because you're right, it's way too early, but what little they've established uh, in this show, right? And so uh, on some basic level, the mirror stuff works in a way that the Klingon stuff didn't because, I'm, you know, it was just like, what the fuck are they doing? Like, what's the story here? Like, who are these people? Do they make any sense at all? No, not really. Yeah. Okay. So, yes, it is working better now than it was. Um, but I think... And I, I've watched now 20 times, perhaps, you know, TNG. Uh, I've watched TOS a good six or seven times. You know, I've watched DS9 three or four times. Uh, Enterprise twice, I think. Uh, Voyager a good, you know, eight or nine times. Um, you know, it's those shows established a feeling, a, an ethos, a world. And even if episodes sucked and there are lots of really sucky episodes in the first seasons or the second seasons of all of those shows, you know, it's like I, I had bought in, there, there was a sense of buy-in and I don't think I'm withholding that sense of buy-in because I'm just like some, you know, hidebound Trek fan who won't accept change. I accepted it every single time. You know? I, like from age 10 through age, you know, 25 or whatever I was, you know? I don't think I've changed. It's the show that's different. 
it's not it's not really about anything any big big idea it's just a plot that happens and is the plot clever yeah sure you know there's there's clever bits to it you know but it doesn't grab me because it doesn't feel like it's about anything so i I guess that's where i'm at as far as the show uh i've decided i will keep watching it yeah, I, I've just decided that there's enough here that I do like, and they've shown an apparent ability to course correct. Uh, that pleases me. Um, so well, and and there's these quotes that say we're going to do more Star Trek stuff in season two. I mean, maybe and, and maybe we'll find so out one day. Like like uh, like season two of Next Gen was so uneven and short because of the writer's strike. Maybe there's something. Like, this is the residual impact of, like, the 19 hands. Like, this show was in development forever and changed hands, like, 10 times. So maybe that's the lingering effect of so many disparate voices um, in the early early production. So, like, like I, I, I don't know. I find my approach yields a more enjoyable 45 minutes for me than it apparently does for you. And given that I have a limited <laughs> amount of time on this good earth, I'd, I'd rather enjoy my 45 minutes than like, I, I still get the impression you, you you're doing this more of a little bit out of a sense of like, if not the podcast itself, certainly out of, as a fan, a bit of a sense of obligation. And I don't feel that I am. I, especially in the second half of the season, I am watching the show for itself. Um, there were a couple of doldrums in the first half of the first season where I went like, oh, get it together. But now that they've killed most of the Klingons, I'm, I'm much happier. I, I will agree with your assessment. It's like I'm sort of – I am the watcher on the wall. You know, my watch won't end until my death. Uh <laughs> I'm 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 dutifully waiting to experience the same thing that I've experienced pretty consistently in the other, you know, let's see, TOS, TNG, Voyager, DS9, Enterprise, in the other five complete television series, and then a good, you know, ten movies. I experienced it. I experienced that feeling, you know, and that's stuff that's produced over a widely disparate time frame with, you know, disparate creative, you know, forces involved in it. And those things did it, right? And then there were the dark times, right? The Abrams movies well, were I mean, horrible. Yeah, as I've aged, like, I'm not going to watch the next Star Trek movie until at least five people I like and respect tell me, no, it won't give you an aneurysm. Like, um, if, if it does shake out to be Quentin Tarantino... Um, I'm re- like, has he ever made a not horrifically violent movie? And that's not a criticism. That's just a fact. Like, um, Kill Bill's a great movie. It's also a very violent one. Um, yeah. Pulp Fiction, great movie. Also very violent. I-, I just don't know if he knows how to construct a story without doing homages to, like, Hong Kong action movies and uh, and black exploitation And... I'm not saying you couldn't shake out a good Star Trek movie from that. I'm saying those are two very different parts that you would have to Frankenstein together. Um, so it's it, it's just, honestly, at this point in my life, I have enough to do and enough fucking good television and enough access to Netflix to watch the Star Trek I actually like uh, or love um, that 
at some point I'm gonna check out if a show if the show is not engaging enough for itself. Like it, it it's just not worth my time anymore. Uh, like so, I suppose I'm glad that I'm enjoying it. Like I I like Sonequa Martin Green and Doug Jones enough, uh, just on their own to like carry most of a show for me. Um, there are many choices like uh, just. Uh, that I do like it's one of those things like again all almost all of my problems would be solved if it turned out we were just we just got a decimal point in the start date wrong and this is a hundred years after Voyager all of it would be, like even the shakeout of like there's a different guy named Sarek and a different defined like I that would be much easier for me to reconcile <laughs> than the apparent problems they're creating for themselves absent that I am enjoying watching the show. It is very much a piece of its time. Like it looks, it functions much like television does on in other uh, on other networks and streaming services. One of the things I normally like about Star Trek is that it sort of is obstinately not what other TV is. But I've learned to, if not let it go, just be pretty zen about it. Like the the show inside its four walls is entertaining, and they pay enough lip service to date. Uh, in a way that in in a way that the Abrams movies did not, like, um, to, I agree with that to the ideals of Star Trek. That I'm certainly happy to give them the chance. I gave Deep Space Nine like two and a half seasons to get good. I mean, really good. Like that first couple of seasons, I was watching it because I was a Trekkie and I was going to keep watching it. Um, and you know, but at this point, like, I'm I'm just. Nothing has happened with one with one major major exception that I might never let go. So I, I'm I, I'm an Irish Scorpio. I can hold a grudge. Um, one exception since the mid season break, the show has been consistently good, consistently more character focused, and consistently more consistent. That's redundant in telling discrete episodes of drama that still fit in the larger narrative. Like, I think last weekend, this week, you could credibly say that while serving the mere universe arc, they set, they established a couple of waypoints for the characters to get to that gave the four corners of this story a beginning, middle, and end. Like, the beginning of this episode is Burnham wondering what being here will cost her. By the end of the episode, we find, oh, it's cost her a lot. And it then springboards into the cliffhanger ending of Giorgio. Oh, can we talk about Giorgio's outfit? That, <laughs> the shoulders on that were so ridiculous, I don't know if I love them or hate them. Sort of like a female samurai motif. Yeah, I'm... I'm I'm gonna. Be, I'm just gonna say. I. 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 Michelle Yeoh is is Chinese. I'm not misremembering that, right? Like that I, is correct. I'm yes. going to. I'm going to hold out enough hope that we do not get a um, um, weird Asian pastiche that ignores the cultural diversity and continuity uh, of people from East and South Asia. Um, hmm. So I'm just. I'm. I'm hoping. <laughs> I'm hoping that we'll doesn't see. happen. We'll see. Just, uh, it's Kevin. I, you know, I don't think we disagree as much as you might think we disagree. Like the show on some level is functionally entertaining, you know, and, but I want more from Star Trek. It's like, I, like I want, 
yes, the story makes more sense than the Abrams movies. You know, it, it's all going too fast. There are shows that I've enjoyed less that I've watched to completion. <laughs> so, you know, it, like, I agree. They've established enough uh, legitimately entertaining stuff to justify watching the show. I, I just... Like, it's got the potential, and it's just not living up to it. Because I think the people who are... Get Star Trek. You know, they're like they get how to make an entertaining show, and they have done so. They don't get how to make an entertaining show that is also thoroughbred Star Trek, which can be done. Maybe it's harder, you know, because sure, it's harder to write a boardroom scene that actually keeps viewers' attention, especially in today's day and age. It's harder. Yeah, it is. But I know it can be done. So I want it to be done. I want to have those parts of my brain engaged also by Star Trek. And I, I get that, and I want it too. I'm just, maybe I'm being foolishly optimistic, but based on the work they've done since the break, I am, I am more, uh, I won't quantify my certainty, but I am certainly more certain now than I was before uh, the the holidays that the sentence there will be more you know original Trek vibes in the second season than I was before. Like I have I have less reason question, to find that to be a self serving lie than I did two months ago. Well, it's like the fact that a showrunner is willing to say that is, is frankly bizarre to me. Are you acknowledging that there wasn't an Star Trek in the first season. If that's the case, why wasn't there? What were you doing with yourself for all those years of development? You know, like you could have done if you can do it in season two. Why not do it in season one? It just it, I, I'm flummoxed <laughs> trying to get into the head of the person who makes that statement. It seems like the person who makes that statement values what Star Trek and recognizes that this is not that. Well, then what were you doing with yourself? No, I, 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 I'm I saying, I, I think you could tag the first season of TNG for being much bigger on the Trek ideas and much bigger on the sci-fi, less so on the, uh, on, you know, plot. Um, that some of those episodes fell pretty flat. Yeah. They got consumed by their own uh, high-minded ideals. So... I'm I'm happy to give the show another like like yeah I'm just not I'm not as worried about the idea that the show needs a season to find itself because other Star Trek series have needed at least two seasons to find themselves and were questionably entertaining at points in a way that even even this so far has not been like I've never been bored I've never like stop I've never like started playing with my phone and just not gone back to the episode um, I see I disagree with that not that. I agree that this has been entertaining. I disagree that TNG lacked entertainment. Like it had sort of a cheese factor that was entertaining, you know, even when things weren't working perfectly. Uh, and the actors were always charming and you always knew who they were. Um, so I, I, I disagree with the entertainment value. Like I agree that 
TNG in season one did not work in it as a TV show in the way that modern golden age TV shows seem to work. Right. But it was entertaining. It was always entertaining. I'm uh, still entertained by it. No, I can watch most of season one. I can watch most of season one of DS nine too. There are a couple I got to skip. Like, like storyteller gave me pause about deep space nine and move along home gave me pause about deep space nine in a way that I haven't quite even felt pause for this show. I mean, there were some clunkers, so I'm, I, yeah, I'm just not, I, I don't, I don't feel the sense of foreboding. I am happy, like the, 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 the chart is moving in the right direction. The data, the, the data points are moving to where I want them to be. And I'm happy. Uh, I am almost eager. If they can sink another couple of two episodes of the last three's quality before the end of the season, I will be enthusiastic to see what they do. I am, I am happy, happy to try. All right. So. Um, that's a six for, uh, the wolf inside and we will be back uh, next week. Yep. Live long and prosper.